0: You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another just thoroughly disappointing and embarrassing episode, or embarrassed episode of the Assembly Call, as today your Indiana Hoosiers. Once again, get thoroughly manhandled in a non-conference showcase game. It happened last year against Arizona. It happened last year against Kansas. It happened earlier this year against UConn. And frankly, I think this one was worse than all of them. As Indiana falls 104 to 76, despite opening the game up 22 to 10. <laughs> Maybe hard to remember that now. Uh, Indiana actually, you know, opened up, making threes and doing all this stuff. But it was short lived as Auburn just turned up the juice and was ready for a fight. And your Indiana Hoosiers were not. From questionable strategic decisions to questionable substitutions, uh, you know, to Auburn getting all the 50 50 balls and just on and on and on and on. It was a complete program failure today for Indiana. And, you know, I found myself as this game was going on really just ticked off for a lot of it, honestly, you know, because you know how many people travel to Atlanta to see this game. And it's the same thing that we've seen. You know, Indiana has scheduled these big non-conference games to try and put the program back on the pedestal that we all believe that it should be on and that we think that it can be. And the fans travel and you're ready. And it's just a letdown. And it's not the loss. You know, this this is a really good Auburn team. Indiana could have played a terrific game and still lost the game. It's the complete Lack of competitiveness that is just so frustrating. And it's just, you know, you continue to kick fans in the teeth who show up to these games and just very, very frustrating. So anyway, we're going to talk about it all in this edition of the Assembly Call. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Ryan and Andy are here as well. Let's pop them on the screen. Uh, We'll start this show the way that we start every show. That is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. I'll be quick. Uh, For me, it came late in the second half. Indiana down 24, but there was a two-possession stretch for Gabe Cups where he hit a pull-up three, uh, and then on the very next possession, uh, got the ball in the right corner, had a shot fake, drove in, hit a little reverse layup. Uh, It was five points on the way to Gabe's career high of 11. Look, there wasn't a lot to get excited about today. But I think, you know, maybe Gabe having some success offensively can be something that's big for him from a confidence standpoint. You know, we'll talk about this as the show goes on, but this game laid bare all of the reasons why this program needs Xavier Johnson, as uneven as he's been. But he may not be back for a little while, and he may not be back for the Kansas game. And so if that's going to be the case, you've got to get more production, especially scoring, out of your backcourt. And Gabe has been a guy who hasn't scored much at all, hasn't really shown a lot of confidence. Today, You know, he took six shots, and I thought just seeing the confidence to hit that pull-up, to hit the three early in the game uh, on a day when there weren't many positives for Indiana, seeing that happen is at least something that hopefully can carry forward and give this team, which so desperately needs more production from its backcourt, uh, you know something very small to build on uh, here as we move forward. All right, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Apparel, well on for the team. All right, well, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel. Now in their seventh season sponsoring the Assembly Call, in their third. As a presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. And as you know, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. And since IU is their flagship school, you know that when they come out with new stuff, like they recently did with the snapback hats, Indiana is going to be first. It's going to look cool. You're going to want it, which is another reason why you should subscribe in all the different places. Twitter, they've got an email list. They've got text alerts. They have an app. It's good to be on there because you get alerts when that stuff comes out, and sometimes there's limited availabilities, plus they have lots of different flash sales. So, you know, you can always use our promo code HOME23. That'll get you 15% off, but they have a lot of 20% off sales that happen. And so we want to make sure that you get those. But you got to do your Christmas shopping. Homefield Apparel is a great place to go to knock out everybody on your list because they literally have something for everybody there. So go to Homefield Apparel, support these guys. We appreciate their support. Uh, a great company that came up through the Kelly School of Business, homefieldapparel.com. Use our promo code HOME23 to get 15% off your first order. Once again, homefieldapparel.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Uh, Coach, we will start with you. It's Tonsoni time. What's on your mind?
1: Yeah, all of the concerns uh, that uh, we had coming into the season kind of played out today uh, from a, a roster construction. and. And then when you're minus a guard, although I don't think that would have mattered today. Uh, And then the style. Uh, It is, uh, I thought uh, Coach Pearl's style uh, overwhelmed Indiana. And it was a north-south game. And and Indiana, uh, even if they had X, doesn't have a lot of north-south. We rely on a plotting, throw the ball in uh, type of, of offense. And it works against the team's that are average or below, and we've played seven of those teams that are average and below, and we've been able to to beat those when we've played the yukon and, and and Auburn teams that have quite a different style. It was a style mismatch today, and I thought one of the key things was uh, Coach Pearl putting uh, Brom, Brom on Renew. Uh, Renew struggled when he got the ball in the post early, a couple of air ball post moves, and then he was out to lunch mentally, on the far end, there were two rebound dunks in the first half that kind of propelled the momentum. I don't, I don't want to say those were the only reasons that the momentum shifted, but on both, uh, Malik watched the ball from about 12 feet, never made an attempt to make a physical move to either block out or to pursue and go get the ball. And those dunks, those rebound dunks can really get a team going, and when you get a team going, that puts pressure on that um you know, I, I think it was just difficult, and and we don't run a lot of things uh, for pressure releases. We we tried to high post, uh, we tried to get in the second half to go to side ball screens. There were a few things but we don't have a lot of uh, pressure releases we have the clear out the the baseline and throw it into the the low post when you're down 20 it's kind of a hard math problem to to come back so this was a this was a failure you said it i think on the sideline i wasn't very happy with 12 minutes to go and the coaching staff's all sitting there uh you know you, you're mad at your kids for feeling sorry for yourself and not showing any fight and i thought the coaching staff didn't show any fight either and that happens i've done it but it's wrong when i did it uh you get so frustrated that you just i can't help these guys i'm just going to sit down that's just not the way to coach if you're going to be up for every game until this one and then when adversity hits you're going to sit down um it happens but the players did the same thing so it wasn't just uh it was a total program uh, 104 points that's not good at all we've got to be able to play against the better teams in our on our roster on our schedule
0: yes Andy, your bottom's line on this disappointing
2: IU afternoon. Uh, I think. Well, I mean, there's probably ten key areas. I'll hit. I think there's three that I'll touch on. One, one coach talked about before. I mean, defense. IU gave up. Uh, uh, Let's take it out here. One point four two
0: five points per possession. Is that what you were looking uh, for?
2: Uh, yeah, one point five three in the second half. I, I mean. I, and really never made Auburn uncomfortable. And I think that was the the difference, you know, even when Auburn was missing shots at the beginning of the game, IU was not doing anything to make them uncomfortable. And, and I think in some ways the play where uh, Mbako gets called for a foul by getting his, putting his face in the, in front of someone's elbow was somewhat emblematic of, of the team. Cause really it seemed like shortly thereafter, everybody kind of gave a little more space and let Auburn get a little bit more comfortable and, uh, I mean, that's just a really poor defensive performance. Some of it was guys hitting tough shots, but, um, but, but it was also very clear that Auburn was giving guys the freedom to play and do whatever. One of the only meaningful things that Jimmy Dyke said in the game, uh, that was one. Uh, two was, you know, philosophically, th- this game showed a lot. I, I texted you guys at one point in the second half, and it ended up pretty close. I mean, the teams had almost the same amount of of empty trips in the second half, but there was a play. Auburn goes zone, IU gets the ball to the free throw line in the zone. You got your choices are dump the ball down into the post where a guy's going to be triple teamed or kick it out to a guy in the wing for a wide open three. And IU kicked it, you know, down. And where it gets fouled, it doesn't mean that it's a bad play, but it tells you everything that you need to know about what's emphasized for this team. And it it's it's just a tough math problem, made more tough by my third point, which was the athleticism gap was on full display in this game. Uh, aggressiveness, athleticism, uh, and part of that is Pearl you know, rotates guys in and out. They were fresh. IU was not, but the athleticism gap was big, and the decision-making in the first half widened it um, because IU did not play nearly smart enough, and the stretch of the game really started to get away from them, and that's really where the Galloway point that, that you alluded to becomes important because I didn't think he played great, but I think he was at least a guy who wasn't necessarily going to be afraid of what was going on and was going to be able to to at least try to do something aggressive uh, in a game where IU was completely on their heels. And I thought leaving him out the rest of that first half was just coaching malpractice, quite That's honestly. I, I just don't totally understand. I, you know, you went into halftime down 18 points. and It's like, well, great. He's got three fouls. He's in the second half. It doesn't matter. Even when IU came back, how many fouls did, yeah. did he finish with, Andy? How many fouls did he finish with? Two or three. He didn't. Two, he fouled two. maybe one, one more time.
3: He didn't foul again.
2: It, it just—he was the best of what IU was going to have in the backcourt to try to give him a chance. And I thought Leal actually was stabilized things a little bit. He's just going to struggle defensively. Um, but yeah, t- to me, it was poor defense, outmatched athletically, and and a difficult math problem that IU is going to struggle to solve um, all season long. By the way, we should let
0: everybody know the women are playing on BTN. So if you want to do something more productive with your afternoon, we appreciate everybody yeah. who's here live. Don't get me wrong. But the women are playing and we won't take it personally if you switch this off and go watch them. Ryan, would you they're, like to read it? they are up by four
2: in the second quarter, so at least things are going <laughs> going a little better. Although IU at one point had a twelve point lead in the game that we just watched. So oh boy. Take that with the greatest. Uh effort. Ryan,
0: would you like to talk about the game or Shohei Otani being signed for seven hundred million? Like take your pick. It's not that want. he
3: signed for seven hundred million. It's that he signed with the Dodgers. Like, <laughs> be creative. Pick another team. I was so excited they might go to Toronto. I thought that would be fun. Like yeah. the Dodgers. Like sign there, like everybody else. Uh, anyway, that's what we'll, we'll do that post show. Uh, look, Indiana. This is this is a very clear what happened today. Indiana faced a more talented, more athletic team. Got absolutely punched in the mouth and their reaction was to go hide in a hole. I mean, essentially, and and they looked like they had a deer in the headlights look from about the 10 minute Mark on of the first of the first half on it was bad, like ugly, ugly, ugly. Nobody stepped up. I mean, little things like, just went, they couldn't dribble. You'd see the ball bounce away because they were just so nervous about Auburn's athleticism defensively that they were, you know, they were so tight. You see Gabe Cups even, and Baco, guys who can dribble, just the ball bouncing away from them, having to like re-secure it and not grabbing rebounds, the ball bouncing around everywhere, passes being fumbled. Like it was just, I mean, it looked like a confident grown-up team facing guys who'd never played college basketball before. That's what it looked like. And we, we talk about this a lot, and Jared, you and I get a lot of grief on this, but it's also the philosophy of the team offensively. Auburn has a balanced inside-outside attack, and they absolutely bludgeoned Indiana. And when Indiana got down, the one way to come back when you're down by 12 to 18, they always say in, in basketball these days, hey, no lead safe because you can always you know do one thing and get back into it, and that's hit shots. Indiana doesn't do that, and so when they're down 21, the game's essentially over. Yeah, they made a great run to start the first half, and they got it to 11, I believe, was as close as they got it, and then Auburn hit three threes, and Indiana didn't answer once.
0: And what did we do to make that run in the first half, Ryan?
3: <laughs> made four threes. Well, in the, yeah, in in the second half, they cut into it with Malik you know, dominating inside. It's like, it's great, but that doesn't work for very long because then they're just going to double him and then somebody else has to do something and the other thing is when you're scoring inside it's slower and it's more difficult to do that than it is to kick it out to an open guy and knock down a shot indiana does not prioritize shooting and has not and this program hasn't in years look at the three-point line today auburn scored 42 indiana scored 18 indiana lost three-point line by 24 points what was the final score they lost by 28 like i mean it when they the, the two Big Ten games they've won were against teams that did not hit three-pointers. And, and so the story is there. It's, it's obvious. We know what it is. This program does not prioritize shooting, has not prioritized shooting, and it's going to burn them this year when teams are as athletic as them, can at least slow down the interior, and can guard the guards and not let any driving. And the other thing, and Coach said it perfectly was that Auburn is a north-south team. They attack. Indiana goes east and west and looks for an angle and looks for somebody to make an individual play. Auburn just goes at you on both ends of the floor. They just go at you. And that showed today, and it is a bad matchup for Indiana when teams do that. And they got, I mean, essentially got run off the floor at times in this game. And they, they tried to bring it back. And look, I applaud the effort to start the second half to get it closer, at least start to feel good about yourself. But then Auburn hit two two threes, and Indiana was just kind of like, all right, well, this is, this is over. I mean, guys played hard in stretches, but you just saw it. They started bickering at each other. They started, you know, just the, the slump shoulders, all of that. We've seen it before. And this team, I think it's fair to say, in Mike Woodson's tenure, does not play well on neutral floors against good teams. They get blown the heck out.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and look. Someone out there may be thinking, guys, we're seven and two. You know why so dejected? We've beaten seven teams, two Big Ten teams. That's and that's meaningful, being two and zero. But we've beaten you know all teams that are you know below fiftieth in any ranking that you look at. And the two times that we've gone up a level, we've gotten run off the court, lost by twenty and lost by twenty eight. That's let's remember the frustration in g- a coach's third year
3: at being in that spot. And let's remember the UConn game was only that close because UConn played pretty terribly for the first. 27 minutes of that game, then all of a sudden turned it on and ran away with it. And if UConn, you played UConn now, it'd be a much different story than, you know, 20 points building at the end of the game. I mean, it's just, it's not, not
1: only, only that, but the, the concerns and and there's still time to change things up, but the concerns were those seven teams, there's only one team with the winning record. I think it's Harvard at five and three. Or maybe I don't know. Michigan's five and four, or four and four. But we've only done it by single digits for the most part. So we haven't really dominated the the weaker teams on our schedule. We've won them, which is good. Uh, but it's these uh, you know marquee games that people travel to. You said it beautifully. Like everyone gets up for them. The atmosphere in Vegas last year, and we have to be able to play now. Maybe this is a rebuilding year and and we, maybe we have to refocus, you know, when you lose four starters and and you, you lose the talent of two NBA players, most squads are in a rebuilding year uh, of some sort. And I know that there are individual talents and there are positives, you know, we have seen some positives on this team this year. But collectively, until we play someone that is uh, above average and win, then this team is nothing but an average team. And I think we need to be a little more honest about that. Uh, And maybe we've been wishing uh, a little bit, and the wins have kind of fostered that uh, a little bit. At least that's where I'm at in in evaluating this team. Still a lot of season, but they've got to play better against quality teams.
0: It's a good point, and there's no question you're going to have a drop-off when you lose guys like Trace and Jalen. But this is a program that wants to be in a spot like a UConn. UConn lost two first-round draft picks. And they're playing well, you reload. You know, when you have a program like Indiana with NIL resources and the ability to recruit, it shouldn't be a massive drop off. And I think part yeah. of the problem is, you know, look, you got Khalil Ware, you got, you know, a really good recruit in McKinsey and Baco. They did some things, but the biggest glaring issue for this team in the offseason was a back an, an impact backcourt player. And I think you're right. I don't think Xavier Johnson turns this loss into a victory you know, but when you don't have him, he's the one guy that doesn't back down from a fight that can go North and South that can create in the half court that can do some of Absolutely. those things. And so you can beat other teams without him, but we spent all off season talking about, he was the most important player on this team. Indiana would go as he goes and he's been very uneven. Don't get me wrong, but Indiana wins a couple games without him. And you got all these, you know, th- this idiotic narrative that starts going again, that we're better without him. No, we're not <laughs> like maybe, You know, because you remove some of his erraticness, you do a little better against Harvard without him. But you don't have a chance against UConn or Auburn without him, and that's part of the problem. I mean, you know, Gabe Cups for everything that he could do, he should have been a bit player in this game. But now he's got to play thirty-one minutes, and I thought I thought Gabe did as well as you could ask him. I have no issues with Gabe coming out of this game. He had some threes hit in his face, you know, whatever. But that's where you lose a guy like X and you lose the one guy that can give you that stuff. And Indiana didn't bring in anybody in the offseason to
1: help with that. That's the problem. It, the the guard recruiting in this program since Crean uh, has left has been very, very poor. Just go back to coach. the, to, to and the reason Archie. Coach. and a, a lot of reasons why Archie Miller didn't uh, succeed, but one of which is he didn't get guards. And right now, you know, you got to hope that you land a guard next year, and 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 McNeely can come in and play because you need those types of players. It is evident that Indiana is weak at at, at guards, but our front line was bad today too. You're going to look at the box score, and you're going to see three double digit. But Mbaco was struggling defensively, took some questionable shots. I thought Renew uh, was bad again in the first half, had a good matchup to start the second half and scored some points, but he didn't rebound. And Ware was the soft as we've seen him. Not effort, not going back to the Oregon days, but he was soft around the rim and missing a couple of bunnies and just not going up strong. So yes, I do agree with you that we need X and X would have made a little bit of difference here, but our other guys didn't play up to par for a game like this as well.
3: Look coach I I you know and it and you talk about where went 2 of 8 from the field you're right he wasn't strong he's playing a, a like auburn every guy across the board bigger stronger more athletic faster they knew how to play fast they knew how to play slow they knew when they needed to go inside out they were cool like they were cool and confident when they were pulling up from 3 all of that they don't they play fast and they scored 104 points and only turned it over 3 times like just a better program like, it's a better team, it's a better coach, it's a better program, and they know what they're supposed to be and, doing. And to,
1: Go ahead. To be fair, though, it, it is Woodson's third year. Like of course. UConn, no, that, no, no. Co- that coach has been there and built that championship team after what? He's been there five, six, seven years? 100%. So their rebuild and, and is easier to do. Game, like, yeah. And Pearl's been coaching forever and cheating forever, but he's been coaching Pearl, forever. Um, And so <laughs> we have to be you know, as angry as I am, mean, and I'm with you on this, Ryan. You know you and I are on this together. Yes. The structure and the style and the coaching and some of that stuff, we uh, we got to try really hard to be positive. But he's got to have a chance to get, you know, he did what he had to do in two years. And this is a rebuilding year, and it's not going to be as easy as a UConn rebuild or an Auburn rebuild or some of those that have been established, even though we are a blue blood.
3: No, and I didn't mean that as a knock on like Woodson. No, I know. It's just a measuring stick. Like that's what it looks like, you know, when you have the right, players for the right system and they're developed and they know what they're doing and all of that same as UConn those guys that team yeah. knows its identity it knows what it's supposed to be doing at every stop they have a balanced attack Auburn balanced attack Indiana has to find balance it just has to because again when you don't have to race check and Khalil Ware has been great this year Malik Renew, we've we've praised them both But Trace Jackson Davis was singular in that, in that he was a four-year guy who knew how to score, who was savvy, who knew how to play out of the post, who knew how to play out of double teams, who knew how to run the pick and roll perfectly. All of that, you lose that. And you've got talented guys who can do things and who play hard and do all those things, but they're not that. And so you have to find it elsewhere because what's going to happen is teams are going to double team and take that away, at least to some degree. And you have to find balance elsewhere. The perimeter players have not provided that balance this year. And, and you talked about Gabe Cupps, uh, Jared, and during the Michigan game, I tweeted out, hey, Gabe Cups really doesn't give you anything offensively right now. Wasn't knocking the kid's effort, wasn't knocking his defense, which I thought was excellent. But offensively, he wasn't even looking at the basket when he would get the ball. He would move it along. And that's not his fault. That's where he's supposed to be right now. He's supposed to be giving you 15 minutes a game and just being an energy effort guy in any offense you get as a... it's not. He's been thrust into this situation because Xavier Johnson isn't there. Xavier Johnson, who is your only real playmaker on the perimeter, you'll get something out of Trey Galloway every once in a while, but clearly he's not where... Indiana needs him to be. They need Xavier Johnson, and they need him to be making plays so the Gabe Cups can retreat into that. I'm going to be your energy guy. I might hit a three every once in a while. I might make a a sweet little like you know pass every once in a while. But he can't be relied upon to be your perimeter playmaker when he was at his prom like five months ago, and still looks like he should be going to his prom this year. Like that's not. That's just not that that it's not. I don't know. It, it just. you there's no there's no avenue here for success on the perimeter for Indiana. It's all predicated on the three, four, and five scoring all your points and making all the plays for you and being individually better than the guy across from them. That's Indiana's system right now, and it needs to change. Andy.
2: I don't know how to don't know how to follow that up. I I think, you know, just preview from a statistical perspective. I mean, this tells you all you need to know. And this isn't all guards. Um, but Auburn. 25 assists to three turnovers, 25 assists on 35 makes. IU, 14 assists on 14 makes, but 12 turnovers. That got better in the second half, but the first half turnovers were just killer. And so IU gets outscored 15 to two points off turnovers. And at some point, it, you know, it, it wasn't just the guards who had assists. You know, Jalen Williams, one of the bigger guys for, um, for Auburn, actually led them in assists with seven. Um, and they had you know some of their wing players it. They just had more playmakers um, being able to put guys in position to kick the ball out and shoot uh, and all those things. But at some point I you needed somebody to settle things down and push and push back a little bit. and that was why I wanted to see Galloway get back in the game and maybe he's not the guy to settle it down, but he's the best chance you got to settle it down. CJ Gunn did not play well in the first half, didn't have what he had in the Michigan game, really on either end of the floor, so you couldn't go with him, brought Leal in to do that. But it it speaks to the roster construction in the sense that like once David Johnson went down, you get into a game like this, you you, you can look down the bench all you want. There's no place to go, uh, in that situation, and and so that bears itself out when guys really get rattled. It wasn't really that Auburn was you know they're pressing the initial you know entry pass when you're bringing it up and they're just riding you up the floor, and trying to wear you down and having these you know first and second waves, which for what they do works great. Um, because it is just a, a game of physically wearing you down, and IU wore down in the toward the end of the first half. They didn't have enough guys. Gabe Cups played a ton of minutes in the first half, and that that is not a winning proposition for IU. And that's not a knock on on him. If you get in positions where he's got to play that many minutes against a pressure team, it's not going to end well. Eventually, that won't be the case, but uh, ultimately. That there just there just aren't enough playmakers on the team, and you're relying on again. Just goes back to that math problem. There aren't enough playmakers to really cut. I thought Anthony Walker did a couple good things in that regard, where he kind of gets a guy leaning one direction and just drove it right after he got in the game. That was what got you back in it a little bit at the beginning of the half. Just drove it. He probably you know, should have played got, more.
0: Honestly, they got. I, I thought so too.
2: I got, I thought so too. And and they got north and south in that way. Mbaco got fouled. They did do some of those posts with Renew. But at least they were more aggressive. I mean, that end of that first half, they, they they scored hardly any points over the whole, you know, the the end of the half, and it was all just passive play, taking terrible shots. And that's where the guard play becomes important of somebody to get you into something and run it. But I, you scored eight points on those twenty two possessions of the first half. That's a pretty big sample size, and there was uh, the number of bad shots in there. I know, coach, you texted you were of those. I mean, the number of bad shots or bad decisions stopped are outweighed. <laughs> far outweighed the uh, you know the good ones during that stretch and you've got to have somebody to settle you down and that's where they miss miss X is because at least as a veteran guy he can settle you down. Now maybe in this game he becomes erratic and kind of loses it a little bit. M- maybe that's true, but you needed somebody to be able to write the ship.
1: Oh, maybe not. Coach, did you have something? If
2: not, go right. I was
1: just going to say, there are, the guards had two turnovers the whole night, but it was the pace and the ability to attack. In the second half, the guards got below the free throw line, and that's when Indiana started to make that one little run at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and that's where you can have – a Galloway was is that guy, but he's not X, where X can get to the rim and do some things. You can play cups if you have four guys that can attack. Uh, you, you When you have Leo – and they're both distributors – they're not going to be guys that can break people down to Andy's point, but the guards only had two turnovers, um, but they needed to be a little bit more aggressive. And that's where you miss X.
2: And that's yep. where you put the, some of the other guys on the wing or even at the four spot making decisions. I you know, texted you guys about this. It's like the entry passes were horrific in the first half. There's no angle. They're trying to lob it to where and, and lobbing it over, over his reach is no small feat based on what he did at uh-huh. the end of the Michigan game. And Multiple times in the first half, they're just throwing these. Instead of being able to to get an angle to make a bounce pass entry to there, it is it all of it was lobs to the rim, and you've got the wrong guys trying to make those passes, and that. You know, falls back on the guards It just to, to coach your point, the turnover numbers don't look bad. They just hung other guys out to dry over and over and over yeah. again the pressure. And then it's like, yeah. oh, well, this guy's numbers look like they really suck. But you didn't have they're, anybody they're, really putting in control. positions to not succeed. Yeah, you yeah. didn't just have anybody who could take control of what was there are no on. pressure
1: releases. Uh, I said that in my opening, there was no way to release pressure and everyone folded against it. Uh, couldn't pass against it. The bigs, when they caught it, the pressure that the post put on it, this was a style of defense that just Indiana was not capable of maybe prepared what, however you want to go about it. But, uh, the defense of Auburn, uh, dictated our style of play. Uh, it was really good against our style of play.
3: Yeah. One thing I wanted to cap all of this discussion was Andy had a, a text to us. So this is really for Andy, but you know, he's too modest to bring it up because, but it was a good one. He said, you know, there've been a, a stretch. I'm not sure how many minutes it was into the half. It was like six minutes in or something like that. And he said, Indiana scored on nine possessions. Auburn has scored on six and they have both scored 16 points. Why is that? Because Auburn was hitting threes and it's Indiana has to work so much harder to get those points. And it's the system. They have to work so much harder to get the same amount of points that another team gets just by hitting an open three that Indiana doesn't do. And when was the first time somebody stepped confidently into a three in the second half? It was CJ gun 13 minutes into the half was the first time somebody stepped confidently into a three and Baco had two that were open. One had a hard closeout. So I'll say that was half open that one of them rimmed out one of them going, okay, fine. But he didn't shoot them confidently CJ Gunn steps into one, and there were seven minutes left in the game, and they were down twenty. It's just that's that's where the program's at right now. It just is, and and we can't lie about it. It's just that's where it is. I
0: thought you were going to commend Andy for his excellent "That's What She Said" comeback in the text well. That was right, fantastic today. That was, that was really fantastic. it was the high point of the game. That's, frankly, yeah.
2: that's <laughs> ultimately what I'm most proud of today. So
0: thanks. <laughs> It was really well done, Andy. (laughs) All right, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's bludgeoning at the hands of Auburn, we will point out today's meaningful moments you might have missed and then go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You're listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us.
1: What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach.
4: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills.
3: There's a big learning curve with
2: welding.
4: Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact
1: on the assembly call after every iu game go hoosiers
0: thank you christian you are listening to the assembly call iu Post Game show i'm jared morris here with andy bottoms ryan phillips and the coach brian tonsoni a full house to talk about indiana's loss to auburn and it is time now for today's meaningful moments
3: meaningful moments that you might have known
0: This segment brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project, where they help individuals and families experience IU athletic events in person for the first time through the generosity of alumni and fans. To learn more about how you can donate money or extra tickets to help create meaningful moments for other IU fans, visit Hoosier Ticket Project.org. That's Hoosier Ticket Project.org. Coach, a couple of meaningful moments that stood out for me that get back to a topic that you talked about earlier. You know, in the first The very start of the game, when Indiana looked good, making threes, you know, Khalil Khalil Ware had this little quick spin move into a fadeaway jumper that was absolutely spectacular. It's an NBA move. You can't guard it. It was beautiful. But then you kind of fast forward, and he really struggled to produce. He ends up just going two for eight. And there was a play in the second half where Indiana calls a timeout. They draw something up to get him the ball. They get it to him in, in the post, and he just gets it taken away. You know, Auburn was just stronger, quicker, and they just took it away from him. And, you know, there's been this narrative about Khalil, obviously, coming in from, you know, from Oregon. He's soft. He doesn't play hard. And now he's been very productive early in his time at Indiana, outside of, you know, really two games against UConn and Auburn where he struggled. And everybody's been very quick to say, he's answered all those questions. He's ready. And I think it's time to just slow down a little bit and understand that it's a process. And he's a young man who's still figuring some of these things out. And to me, he has showed progress at being more consistent and producing and stepping up big in big moments and being a better rebounder and all of those things. But the reality is reality is we've played two good teams with good two point defense, UConn and Auburn, and they've really taken it to him. And so, you know, this whole thing that like he's put all this stuff behind him, I don't think that's accurate. I think he still has questions to answer which I think is totally fine. He's a sophomore you know, trying to figure this stuff out. And so I think maybe we should just slow down. And instead of making these definitive statements and treating it like a binary, we need to realize that this is a process for him. And right now, the next step for Khalil is to be able to do this and finish and produce against kind of like talent. And right now he's done more feasting on guys that are smaller and less talented than him. And he still needs to answer the questions that he can do it against the big boys and frankly the way this team is constructed he has to fair
1: um somewhat I don't think you're you're inaccurate but I think there's two separate things to look at if he was not mentally playing hard and and he was lazy and not working hard in practice I do think those times are behind him I do not fault his effort today I think the young man played hard. Not the I think effort, he lacks some f- the toughness. Right is more what I'm talking. But but about. that was his knock. It wasn't. It wasn't. You know that he mentally he wasn't in, and the coaching staff, and he a little uncoachable or those things. I think he has passed that with flying tests. The physicality Fair. of the Big Ten and the physicality of the big boys that he's played. He is not physically uh in a place where he can go up against that yet. And he's got to learn that. But and sometimes you're more of a finesse player than a than a physical player. I'll go back to something I disagree with Coach Woodson said. I got a seven two guy. Why am I going to set him out there and let him shoot threes? Uh you have a low post score in renew. Play uh where as a four. We haven't seen pick and pop. We haven't seen uh him catching on the elbow, rip and drive. He's more of a forward than he is a post up. So when we're seeing him struggle is when you throw the ball to him and people are bodying him up and leaning into him and double teaming him and getting him out of an athletic position. Uh, But that's physicality to me. That's not the mental approach. His mental approach and his desire and his heart wanting to win, I think, if there were questions, I wasn't around, if there were questions that he was soft um, mentally, no. Soft physically, no. Yeah, he's still got to answer against some of the bigger, stronger guys, at least in the post. But, man, I think he's got skills that are not being utilized on the perimeter uh, as that pick-and-pop. Stre- he could be a stretch four. He could be a stretch four uh, very easily. Uh, but we we are determined to play the lob game with him only from post to post. Um, and, and his threes, he's he's taken some, so it's not like they're totally avoiding him on the perimeter. But I think right now to maximize his game, you play a little bit more, and then pick the uh, the right matchups to send him down low. Uh, but yeah, his physicality—he hasn't answered that yet. But I do think his approach to the game of basketball as a young man. Yes, I I think I am satisfied that he has passed that up. Whatever the problems were at Oregon, he's passed that up. Now it's just yes. the technique on the floor that has okay. to get good better. distinction. Yeah. That's why I wanted to ask you. So good answer.
3: Yeah, just to piggyback on that, like. And the other thing is, is that, like, you got to remember, this guy's like a freshman and a half. You know, he he got some time at Oregon last year, but it really wasn't enough. He wasn't starting. He wasn't playing 25, 30 minutes a game. This is really his first full season. He's got questions to answer. I mean, you know, but it's not none of it is the stuff that we were worried about, which is effort, body language, like whatever. Like, forget that. He's answered that. He's been dominant for most of the year. But there are going to be times where you face a stronger older guy who can push you around how do you deal with that and i thought at times yeah he has he has struggled with that against michigan he did not you know but against uconn against auburn more athletic stronger guys well built kind of struggled with it and and again that's you know that's he's gonna go through that it's not a knock on him most players do go through that trace jackson davis wound up being an amazing basketball player he went through that as well other guys have so but i agree with coach on this this idea that you can't In modern basketball, move your big guys out to the perimeter and get them looks. Like, what are you talking about? That's what the game is built around now is guys being able to step out and hit a jumper that you know look that would have been planted three feet from the basket a decade and a half ago. Like that's the whole thing is that he's got touch out there. He can handle the ball a little bit, he can move, like he runs. Like move him around. You don't have to plant him on the pivot. And also when you do move him out, as coach said. You've got another post player who can go down and take his spot. And maybe you got that post player not on their center. So you've got a better matchup for him from that. So it's it's just these guys can do a lot more than they're being allowed to do in the offense, it feels like. And, and I just think that being able to pick and pop with a guy like Ware or Renew opens up so many possibilities for your offense. And we just don't see him doing it. Coach, final thoughts. I know you got to run.
1: Yeah, I, I got to go uh, get to my uh, son's game tonight. Um, disappointing uh, after the Michigan win, you thought there was some, you know, the team found some stuff to win on the road against a talented but underperforming Michigan, and then to come out and you get that, oh my gosh, we're we're opening things up, we're hitting a few threes, and our our bigs are going to play, and then to see it just the 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 bubble burst and burst in a hurry, forty two to twelve run in, at the last part of the half and no resistance was re- was really disappointing losing games happens in college basketball losing games with a competitive fight uh and and a well-coached game on the sidelines that's tough to take but you'll get over it this one is is really you said a little ticked off a little disappointing like it, it's time to play better in these games if you're not going to win them you got to play better than what we've done in the in the last two years when we schedule them or don't schedule them like everyone was wanting to get out of the, the Crossroads Classic because so, we're a blue blood and go play them. It's time to step up and play like them. Uh, whether you are in a rebuilding year or not, lose by six, file down this stretch, have something like that happen. We're getting just boat raced uh, in these special games that we've wanted to schedule so much. And and, and it, there is a little anger in that. So now you got a big game coming up, and, and let's go change it all around. we we'll all feel better. We upset Kansas uh, in a week. But it sure doesn't look good. You know, we can only beat teams that are average or below and lose to teams that, that were better than, and and, and without a magical performance, we did beat Purdue at Purdue. We had a magical performance from Hood Shafino. Uh, we did win at Illinois when TJD went off for 37. Uh, we, we should try to win those games without just having an absolutely incredible night from a talented player. I don't know. I mean, we, I know we beat Purdue at home as, as well, but it just seems to me like there's an over-reliance on your best talent to just overperform in these big games. You win big games by having everyone doing the, the best you can and having a strategy that that fits the attack against your opponent. And so I'm a little disappointed uh, that uh, not in the loss, but in the performance overall. And, and again, I'll be there uh, on Saturday. I'm not giving up on this team, not giving up on the program. But, yeah, disappointing day today day uh, watching that. So. Take that to the <laughs> school Sorry, I board. have to run. Yeah. yeah, take that to the school board. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks. Coach. Have a good evening, everyone. You evening. Good luck to Brent. Yep, thanks.
0: All right, Andy, you got some moments.
2: Uh, yeah, a couple. Uh, you know, t- two of them were the two baskets that Malik made in the first half, were both off of good passes. One was a a really good outlet from Mbako gets a long rebound, kicked it up the floor to him. That was when things were going well. Uh, and then the other was off of one of the only truly good post feeds in the first half, which came from Anthony Leal, who got it to Malik for an end one. I I just thought, you know, those things were few and far between, but I think it's another, I think Mbako made, he made a couple other good passes. He made a really good one inside to renew that got blocked. Uh, I I just think he's capable of a little bit more. And the second one was really to underscore the the post-passing challenges. Uh, And the other one was not as good, you know, toward the end of the first half, it's a 12 point game. You know, typically what you're thinking in that scenario is, can you get it under 10? Can you, you know, find a way to get it to the single digits? IU dumps it into where uh, missed a, a shot really close to the basket inside. Uh, they could have cut it to 10. At least give you a little bit of momentum. He misses that. Auburn comes down the other end, hits a three, and it's a 15-point game instead of 10. And, uh, you know, that was just a swing I thought was just brutal uh, for as well as IU came out and played at the beginning of the second half. It was just another one of those where, the importance of the three point shot and the and and the challenges IU is going to have overcoming that. So, a uh, couple moments on the positive side with Malik, but then that I, I thought that stretch really squashed any hope of really being able to come back uh, at that point because just made it impossible for IU to get close enough at the half to really put some game pressure on.
0: Yeah, you know the other moment that I wanted to point out uh, there was a moment in the second half uh, where Anthony Walker got beat back door uh, and he recovered, ended up getting a block on the play. Uh, it was a really nice defensive play by Walker, and I thought it was indicative of, you know, just his uh, attentiveness, his athleticism, and his length, all three of which were in short supply to other imp- guys on the roster t- in this game.
3: And his improvement from the
0: beginning of the season. I'll say yeah, that and too. his improvement. You know, and he contributed nine points. I think he, he had one shot in the half court that was a little bit wild outside of that. You know, I thought he played within himself, you know, nine points, five boards, two blocks. And just, you look at this, and again, None of these things are going to make a difference in the result. Auburn was by far the better team. They made 14 threes. They were going to win this game. But, you know, Anthony Walker only plays 13 minutes. He should have played more. When you recognize that he was ready for this level of game and he's the kind of athlete you need, I think you got to find a way. And I realize that's really tough to do when you're trying to play with Khalil and Malik down low and they're your entire centerpieces on offense. But, you know, when he only plays 13 and Trey Galloway plays 22, and I guess this just kind of bleeds us in to numbers here, Andy – Like those two guys needed to play more minutes today because they were at least kind of ready for the fight to a certain extent. Um, you know, and they didn't. And we ended up giving a lot of minutes to other guys who weren't, you know, quite as ready for it. And that, you know, that to me was just a little bit frustrating. I know folks, you know, got upset in the first half when, you know, Woody went to the the all, you know, the, the substitution lineup and a lot of us don't like that, you know, and that's fine. You know, you've got to go to your subs. Um now, would it be nice to stagger it? Yes. But then I think as you're figuring out who's gonna play some of those minutes in the second half or down the stretch in the first half, it didn't seem to me um like the decisions were made well in context, namely Trey not playing with two fouls, or that guys who were actually performing were rewarded with more minutes, namely Anthony Walker.
2: Yeah, and I think ultimately you look at it there, you know, a couple ways, right? Like the way that Auburn plays, you know, Janai Broom, and part of this is, is the, the margin of the game, but realistically, even coming into the, the game, they didn't have guys average. I don't know anybody on their team averaged more than 25 minutes a game. And he's not necessarily subbing five for five, but th- they are incredibly balanced. Kind of the thought that these guys, you know, guy one is not all that different from guy number 10, and we're willing to do the trade off to be a little bit fresher. IU, there's a bigger gap between some of these guys. And so you got to try to figure out how to balance those minutes out a little bit differently. You can't make it even and say, well, where is going to play 22 minutes and, you know, kind of the, the complimentary piece to him, whoever you view that to be is going to take up the other 18. Like I use not in a position to do that. And you, you basically have six front court guys that you're trying to give minutes to. It it becomes incredibly difficult to do that when you need a shooting out there. Presumably I know people will say, Oh, he's not making anything, whatever, but he showed the ability early on to, to make shots. Uh, And, and so who do you take those minutes at the expense of becomes a challenging part for Walker but that's a roster construction issue as much as it is anything. And then within the game, you've got to figure out how to do that. But I, I, I agree some with some days you got to just w- say
0: this guy has it. No one else does and let him play, you know, and
2: figure it out and work the other guys in around him. Yeah. I don't disagree with you at all. I, I was surprised he didn't play more in the second half. Cause I thought he gave him some good minutes in the first half. And, and I agree with you athletically didn't seem as out of place as some of the other guys did. And, and, you know, I know Caleb banks, probably challenging situation going back to Atlanta and trying to, you know, play well there. I thought he struggled. Uh, and you're really just, you know, we talked about some of the struggles that Malik and, and, and Khalil had, you know, I think there were minutes to be had for him for sure. And to reward a guy for coming out and playing well and bringing the kind of energy that you really needed to be able to, to perform in a game like this. And, and the Galloway thing, I think we've probably beat into the ground at this point. Let's talk,
0: uh, numbers and our numbers segment uh brought to you by jackson hewitt tax services if you live in bloomington or the surrounding areas and you want your taxes done right contact our friend and chat mob hall of famer megan mahaffey and her team in bloomington bedford and martinsville by calling 812-339-3334 or by visiting jacksonhewitt.com and ladies and gentlemen indiana finally made more three pointers than there are in the jackson hewitt phone number making six three pointers today uh unfortunately auburn made 14 uh on behalf of Coach Adranya. Unfortunately, he, four
2: of those came in the first five minutes of the game. Yeah.
0: On, on behalf of Coach Adranya, we apologize for sending out the IU film room this morning that was dedicated to Indiana's improved three-point defense. Uh, in Tony's defense, Yikes! it had been much better over the last few games. It was not today. Uh, Auburn entered the day shooting less than 30% from three-point range. But it is interesting, Andy. I think it might have been you that mentioned this earlier. You know, Bruce Pearl doesn't care what the percentage is. He wants his guys shooting confidently. And sometimes you're going to get rewarded in a big game when your guys keep shooting. They got, you know, they lost the Appalachian State game, their previous game, because they missed a whole bunch of shots. And today they made them, you know, 14 for 29. Uh, So Indiana got killed there. That obviously tells the story of the game. The other one is Indiana had four uh, or six combined blocks and steals. Uh, Auburn had 11 combined blocks and steals. I actually thought that number might have been bigger. Um, But, you know, that's a number that we kind of highlighted early in the season where Indiana would take advantage of lesser opponents, and you could kind of see it in the steals and blocks because of the activity and the length. Well, Indiana was on the other side of that today. And their lack of composure, and really Auburn just being the more aggressive team, you know, they just came out and took it to Indiana. Um, And so the three-point shooting uh, and the, the stocks numbers, you know, really... To me, the two biggest uh, stats from this game, Andy. What other numbers stand out to you?
2: Yeah, I think when you look at the steal numbers, it probably if you if you were able to add to you know you don't get a steal when the team just throws the ball out of bounds, which IU did on a number of its turnovers early. In terms of trying to uh, uh, trying to get the ball in the post, so I think you know their defense was definitely a cause of of that, and and that probably speaks to the one number that that you didn't bring up. Twelve turnovers led to 15 points for IU. Uh, and I think some of those led to you know some of the transition points. IU doubled up in transition points and basically played to for as many threes as Auburn hit. They outscored IU by two in points in the paint. So pretty much every way you could get a lot dominated. of re-
3: offensive rebounds.
2: Yeah, and and the rebounding numbers were good for IU to start. It ended up pretty even. Um, you know, 28, 20, or 28, 27 defensive rebounds, 39, 35 Auburn, uh, won the total rebounding battle, but they did have more offensive rebounds, more second chance points, uh, doubled IU up in bench points, which is really just a function of, uh, of how they play and, and the guys they utilize. And I already talked about the assist numbers from earlier. It's just, uh, you know, th- their, their length, and even from a two point shooting perspective, IU just 18 of 39, I believe, uh, after coming in, uh, one of the best teams in the country two point shooting and uh give auburn a lot of credit there because I t- still did I didn't feel like I took a lot of mid range shots no uh in general. It just was uh it was tough sledding around the rim.
0: And you know, look, Ryan, we can just underscore the three point shooting one more time in this context. You know, a lot of times, you know, Indiana will win only making three threes and everybody's like, well see you can win this way. Yeah. No one's saying Indiana can't win 16, 17, 18 games playing the way that they are. The problem is we're it ready to like raise the level team. of the program <laughs> and you have to be able to win multiple ways and this team right now has one path to victory and if the other team goes off and has a big shooting night which is going to happen from time to time this is the result and Indiana yeah. just can't compete in a game like that right now that's our frustration with it
3: and the other thing is you say that you know they had six threes tonight but two of them were when the game was already decided. I mean, cups is, you know, fast break three. He fired it because there was nobody around and Auburn was already going into let's showboat dunk mode. And Don't the other was mind, my banner moment, Ryan. That no, was, like, look, it's thing a great shot. I'm I hope it leads to more confidence <laughs> for Mr. Cups, um, but trust me, I do. But, you know, CJ Gunn stepped into one. I think it was about 21 at that point. I mean, the game wasn't in da- and there were seven minutes left Um. So, yeah, they made six threes, but two of them didn't matter. They made four very early, it felt like, and then nothing for a solid 25 minutes. And so, yeah, that, that's you're right, Jared. It puts a hard ceiling on what you can do. And it's it, it'd be the same if a team was an all-three-point shooting team and did nothing inside. Yeah. Like, you know, your efficiency might be higher in that if you're a good shooting team, but you need to be able to do both things. And if you can't, you're not a very good basketball team. You might be okay. You might be able to limp your way through some things, but you have to be able to get points in multiple ways to head towards a top four finish in the Big Ten, the Sweet 16, possibly making a run. You have the talent to do it, but there's just no emphasizing being balanced. There's none, and it needs to change. And I don't know what's going on in practice. I don't know what's being preached, but I know what's showing up on the floor, and it's clearly not something that's important to this collection of people, coaches, players, whatever, because it is not being drilled into them. It's sort of like for a couple of years after the Cody Zeller-Victor Oladipo team, Indiana was way too into shooting three-pointers and not enough, not getting enough from the inside under Tom Crane. And you would say, let's find a way to you know, get Noah Vonley more points and you know, to balance the floor a little bit. It's the same thing in a different direction. Um, and, and the last thing, the, the, the one number I wanted to point out is that there were 13 of 25 on layups. If you're facing big, strong, athletic, you know, guys like that, you're going to struggle at the rim. Where do you get the points you're missing there? You've got to do it from beyond the it was arc. entirely
0: predictable seeing Auburn's defensive numbers. We were not I mean, going to be as efficient down low
3: there you go and that's and that's not I mean, you know you can say like well some of these guys they just missed a layup that they should have made that's fine but you're also going against somebody who's way better than the people you've been facing so that's naturally going to happen when and you're uncomfortable get, you miss shots you normally make exactly they're gonna get you sped up <laughs> they're gonna get you you know whatever and know. you saw Indiana get sped up I was one time I forget who it was but somebody shot a layup and just sparks it was exactly <laughs> I know yes, exactly, it was it I know exactly what you're it thinking was nowhere close like it, did, it hit the backboard and went the other side like it was like it was it was it was like one of those showboat uh like passes off the backboard for a dunk to somebody else There are just nobody there like just just take a photoshop and insert lebron james there like catching it but it was i mean it, it's just it's obvious what was happening it's obvious what this what this uh, team and program needs to do but nobody's doing it and it needs to happen it just has to i mean if they don't go all in on shooters in the transfer portal or what like what are we doing I mean, you know, we,
0: we have one of the best shooters in high school coming. In Liam Absolutely. But you're not. You it's
3: not going to be just one. Right. You, you got to have some other backcourt
0: guys coming. And that no was doubt. the
3: thing about that was the thing about Auburn is you look at them and they had multiple guys hit multiple threes. You know, they had one, two, three, four guys hit more hit two or more. One guy hit five. I mean, you know, multiple guys out there are shooting confidently and making threes. And, and again, it's five and again. We're
2: building the damn statue out there. Exactly. We're not even, yeah,
0: yeah. At this point, yes.
2: <laughs> and
0: and the distinction to put a bow on this, both teams entered with very poor three point shooting percentages. Yes. And so you might look at it and say, Oh, these teams play the same. No. Even when Auburn shoots poorly, the three pointer is still part of their offense. And you know, I, I I get, you know, some people say, Well, why should we take an inefficient shot when we can get it inside? it's because you have to talked about this way back at the beginning of last season it's the muscle memory of having and just the habit of having the three point shot being a part of your offense so when you get an open look you can make it and so when you have to turn to it because you're down by 13 in the second half it's not like this foreign thing that you just can't do and so instead you try to double down on going inside you know that's the problem and right now there just there doesn't seem to be a solution to that problem for indiana
2: well, and I think what goes along with that, Jared, is not even the guys being ready to shoot and having that be part of the offense, having the guys be ready to pass for that to be part of the offense. I mean, we saw the very first play of the game renew. There was a skip pass to Cups for that. And it's like, oh, OK. After some of the, the conversations that, that had been had about his passing out of some of those double teams. And then, you know, how that one play against his the zone. There was another play late goes down into Sparks. There's multiple guys open. And the default setting of this team is I'm going to just try to muscle it up through these three guys at the rim. And that works great against some of these lesser opponents, as you talked about. But th- it seems like there's an un... I-, I don't even know if it's an unwillingness. But that notion of kicking the ball out to guys wide open on the wing is just foreign to what is happening for this this group offensively right now. And And I think even if you get those shooters in, like you got to have the whole mindset of everything else changed that you've done. If everybody that comes back and gets into that scenario, because it is very clearly <laughs> like drilled in, this is the approach. And as the coach, that's the right to choose that is what the approach is. But it becomes hard to flip that switch the other way, no matter how many good shooters that you end up with. Um, if you think that you're going to be able to to find ways to finish in, in really difficult situations.
0: We're going to win a lot of games the rest of the season, pounding it inside, not shooting a lot of threes. We're going to beat teams that we have more talent than because of that. But we're just going to be waiting for another result like this because this is what Indiana is always susceptible to um, with just how incomplete they are on the offensive end.
2: Well, and right. on, on a oh. on a larger well, hang on on a, on a larger picture, this is why the Big Ten struggles in some of these. You know, at the macro level, this is why the Big Ten struggles in some of these tournament settings. The 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 level of uh, athleticism and how Auburn played is on a different level than just about any Big Ten team that IU is going to play, and and so maybe that means that from a Big Ten perspective, you you even win a few more of the close games, but you get to the tournament to to win tournament yeah. games, you have to be able to do that, and that's where the Big Ten I think gives some teams a false sense of security of being able to win games in in a way that. You know, the way that you can win some of these Big Ten games and the way that IU has won the last two Big Ten games, quite honestly, did not translate one bit to how to beat a really good, deep athletic team.
4: VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
0: Well said, Andy. It's a great point.
4: All right. Coming up on the Assembly
0: Call in our final segment, we will hand out our game balls and Hoosier Hustle Award, discuss a few lingering questions, and look ahead to what Indiana has coming up. It's going to be a quick segment. That's next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us.
4: Thomas Bryan, what's the only thing better than being Kentucky in the NCAA tournament?
1: Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers.
0: Thank you, Thomas. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris. Andy is still here. Ryan is here. We are breaking down Indiana's big loss to Auburn today. It is time for our Game Balls, presented by our friends Allie and James at Bloom Environmental. You know, as we enter the colder months and begin to stay indoors a bit more, they want to make sure everybody knows about radon, a colorless, odorless, radioactive gas that is the leading cause of lung cancer in non-smokers. It enters buildings through cracks and gaps in the foundation and through service pipes of homes. Contact Bloom Environmental today, mention assembly call, and get a free radon test kit and mitigation estimate. You can learn more at bloomenviro.com. That's bloomenviro.com. All right, let's get through this really quickly. Uh, not a lot of game, you know, no one wants to talk about game balls for a loss this bad. Coach gave his to Cups. I would probably give mine to Cups as well um, without a whole lot of other options. Um, so Ryan, who gets
3: yours? Malik Renu, no question. He's the only reason they had any chance to start the second half. I, I don't even, yeah, that, that's not even close for me. Fifteen mm. points, seven rebounds, three assists. Yeah, he turned it over three times, but he was put in bad positions, as Andy, you know, uh, pointed out. Uh, also, uh, comparatively, minus seventeen. Gabe cups minus twenty-one. So I, I yeah, went. I mean, that's I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> I can't. I, I but no. But here's the thing. I can't. I can't a game
3: like this just light the plus-minus
2: on fire.
0: I exactly, Everyone's I'm,
3: everyone's. It was sucked. obviously a joke, <laughs> guys. Come on. Look. No, I, mean, I, I think Renew
0: definitely had the most production. There's no question. The reason I can't go with him for this is I thought Coach made a really interesting point. Malik is this team's leader, especially with X out. And I thought outside of that stretch in the, first, in the at the beginning of the second half when he really went strong, I thought he was one of the main culprits in setting a soft tone for Indiana. And so that's why I can't give it to him because I think this team really follows him and he's better than that. Um and so I can't reward that kind of
3: performance with a game ball just because he produced. Cubs got like abused defensively. I mean, like you know, well, by another freshman. Yeah, like, but it
0: wasn't I, because he wasn't fighting out there. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, the two guys are graded on. To a me, curve, that's no award. question. To me, in that's a, hustle
3: award in a so. game yeah, but when he you actually give up produced. How many double digits?
2: No one played well defensively. How many <laughs> are we arguing
0: about a game ball when we lost by twenty eight? This is stupid. He scored First five of those points in the last three minutes. It really is. It really is. Let's just Andy game ball and then let's be done with this. This is ridiculous.
1: Right, I'm gonna Sorry. give it to Cups just really to is. just to try oh, to okay. agitate Ryan. Just, no, just to,
3: <laughs> just, to, just to just to end the fight. It's- no, I,
2: I I really did think given the circumstances that he played I, he played fine. Like he, he just curve, fine sure. today. Like he played probably above what I would expect in a game like this. I wouldn't say the same about Renew.
0: There we go. Cool. That sums it up. Maybe right. that's
2: an unfair way to grade it, to but I would it. say that also. If you read any of Cups' uh, post-game comments, lots of cliches in there. You can tell he's the son of a coach, and he's learned <laughs> Probably well. Probably going to wind up being a coach, uh, yes. Stuff like that. <laughs> so he's definitely been taught well uh, that, that part of it. Uh, okay, now let's go
0: to the Hustle Award. The Hoosier Real Hustle
2: Award. Hi, this is Anthony Leo, and it's time for the Hoosier Hustle Award. But first, I have some exciting news to share about our friends at Evansville Security Services. They've been acquired. They are now part of the team at Security Pro 24-7, which provides trusted and reliable security for your event or business from Bloomington, my hometown, to Evansville, where Coach Calvert Chaney grew up, and everything in between. Just like hustle can't be measured by stats, prevention can't be measured either. But it has a huge impact on your bottom line and peace of mind. So let the security pros at Security Pro 24 help you prevent a bad outcome today. Visit securitypro247.com to learn more. That's securitypro247.com. And tell them Anthony Leo is saying All right, Thank
0: you, Anthony. You know, we have a lot of new listeners now. You may be thinking, why are you wasting time with Game Balls and Hoosier Hustle Awards when we lose this badly? And look, a few years we ago, we like to we,
3: punish ourselves.
0: Yeah, well, a few years ago, we might have just done away with this segment, but we have contracts now and we have sponsors, so we have to do these segments. Um, hustle Award, uh, Coach gave his to Anthony Walker. That was who I was going to go with too. Uh, so Andy, we'll let you go uh, go next, and
2: then Ryan can can go last.
3: Tell you why you're wrong. All right, <laughs> I can't.
2: <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I got to drop after this anyway, so I'll, uh, I'll make it quick. Uh, I give mine to Walker as well. I thought, as we talked about before, probably a guy who deserved more minutes based on what he brought to the table ended up with five rebounds in 13 minutes in a game that IU at times struggled, uh, to rebound the ball, two blocks as well. Uh, thought he really played hard, earned, earned some additional minutes. And so, uh, yeah i'll get i'll give it to him i'll, I'll kind of give real quick final thoughts here as we yeah. uh wrap it up a uh, shout out to longtime listener aaron who i ran into at kroger today hey. uh, our shared optimism about the game uh he and i have run <laughs> into each other a number of times uh, around around this part of town that he doesn't live live very far our shared optimism shared in the middle of the aisle uh, proved to be false on a variety of levels but what can you do uh so no but it, but it was good to see him uh no, nah, I just a lot of what Coach said I think rings true. It, for as much as I think everybody had, and maybe it was us trying to talk ourselves into it, right? For for as much optimism as there felt like there was coming out of those two Big Ten games, this feels like a huge step back uh in a lot of ways. And I'm trying to balance that with you know some of my final comments from the last segment of, you know, how many teams are we going to face like this in the Big Ten? Maybe that becomes different. I don't really know, but I do think that can allow you to paper over some of the concerns uh, that you have about this team. And, and I think if anything else, it, it really underscores the the need to get X back just to have another guard to go to. Yep. I mean, they're basically you're playing with three, four guards. If you count Leal, who I think has been solid enough in, in the minutes that he's gotten, but just it, it the, the way that the college game is with the athleticism and all of the things that you need somebody to do to settle you down, you're really in a bind playing with that few guards um, and, and even a couple who just don't have, you know, most of which have little to no experience. Um, even CJ Gunn is a sophomore played sparingly last year. You're just asking a lot of some of these guys to, uh, to step into these situations. I think that same thing's going to be true in can- against Kansas next week. Um, so some time to regroup, but from a bracketology perspective, a tough loss and one of the only meaningful non-conference games left and, um, uh, a lot of work. A lot of work left to do on a variety of levels, which uh is what you would expect uh when you give up 104 points in the game. Um so we'll uh we'll see what happens. Curious to see how they how they bounce back and what should be a pretty raucous atmosphere, but uh disappointing for sure uh after the last couple of games.
0: All right. Well, Andy, thanks for being here, man. Enjoy right. the rest of your weekend. I'd see we you yes. talk to
2: you. You soon. have
3: now left Jared alone with me.
2: Yeah, yes. I can't wait. Can't yes. Wait. I look forward to listening to this later just to, to see how it plays out. All right, see you guys.
0: Um. All right, and Ryan, you're going with Walker as well.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'd send it in the chat. I'm going with Walker as well. I thought it was pretty obvious. Pretty obvious. And I thought it was pretty obvious that he should have played more as well. Nine points, five rebounds, one offensive and assist, uh, two blocks, one turnover, but two. Blo- the, the blocks were awesome. He just didn't give up on plays, and some of the other guys yeah. did late. I mean, and look, I, I'll, I'll to defend the players when you're facing that much adversity repeatedly for 30 minutes, it's easy to get to, to, it's, it's hard to not give up on certain things, you know, when they happen, because it's so discouraging. Now, should you? Absolutely not. But they're also human beings. When you get so frustrated that things are going so bad, there are times where like a guy gets a rebound under the basket and puts it back and you're just like, ah, you know, and it's, Again, it, it should that happen? No, of course not. But it but you know just in, naturally but, does happen. But you know what's important there? It's
0: why does that happen? And the thing is, I think a lot of times players get blamed um, You know, when, when you kind of see that lack of fight that we saw today. Yes. And I think some blame there is is warranted. But I think mm, for the course. most part, that kind of stuff happens when players kind of stop believing they have a plan that can That's work in this given 100% game. True. 100% true. That's what I thought we saw today. It's was, a frustration
3: that you have to play all of this out knowing you have no chance. Right, that's because
0: there's no real way to go on a big quick scoring run and there's no real way to cut into it. You know, this is like a ground and pound football team that gets down by like the Tennessee Titans getting down by 17 points and you're like we're not built to come back in a game like this. We need to be ahead or we need to keep this game close and then grind it out at the end and make plays and go down low. You know, and that's the problem. Um, you know, and so that's and that's what I thought we saw today and I thought coach's point about it just kind of looked like everybody gave up the last eight minutes, you know? Like, why not use those last eight minutes to try and build a little bit of momentum or run some different stuff or try something new? And it just looked like everybody was, you know, just kind of happy to get out of there. And that's, I don't know. Like, that That to me is just frustrating to watch. I was to happy watch. to get out of
3: there. I was, well, yeah,
0: I, but you know what? But there were a lot of fans who traveled to Atlanta that would have liked to see a little fight at the end of the game or people who really give up their Saturday afternoons. That kind of stuff just frustrates me when you see that, you know, because there's no... And I know it's a long season and as coaches, you have to pick your spots and some days it's not your day. Like I get all that stuff, but not in a showcase event like this, you just can't do that. You got to go out there for 40 minutes and give it your best. And that's the big frustration is Indiana didn't. And look, I, I can already hear, you know, comments from some people, especially newer listeners, like, my God, what a pendulum swing. You guys were high as a kite after they beat Michigan. And now today you're talking all bad. Well, the point of post-game shows is to react to what we just saw. There are going to be kind of wild pendulum swings in a post-game show because you're in the moment. And the thing is, like, what we saw over the last two games is really, I think, Ryan, a microcosm of this team. This team is good enough to go beat a mediocre Big Ten team on the road. That matters. You know, like, I mean...
3: Gotta I'm not be pretty saying good to that, do I, that.
0: that I've lost faith in this team or that this isn't an NCAA tournament team. Like, I think this team is going to be on most nights in the Big Ten competitive and able to win a lot of games because that style is going to work. But these kinds of games are measuring stick games for a program that fashions itself as a top 10 program in the sport and is not close right now, which is not, you yeah. know. Because when you when you come up in a game like this and you use like this, so that's the frustration today is, okay, this team can do some things. They've won seven games, 2-0 in the Big Ten. That is good. That is a good foundation to build on. But if we had thoughts that maybe we were a little further ahead, this was a smack in the face of reality that we've still got a long way to go from a roster construction standpoint and strategic standpoint to compete with those better teams. Yes, X would have made a difference. You need them in games like this. It would have, wouldn't have changed the result but it's not going to make a big enough difference. You know, no. you've got to have a couple guys with that kind of skill or better to compete on courts like this. So I get, you know, it's been a, been kind of a wild last two games here on the post-game show in terms of emotion, but I'm not sure how to capture Indiana basketball right now without that. That's kind of what this program is right now.
3: Yeah, and, and it's interesting. Coach kept repeating, you know, this is a rebuilding year. This is a rebuilding year. This is a rebuilding year. Well, if Indiana is going to, be what it claims to be you don't have rebuilding years maybe once every five years you get some guys who go out early you weren't expecting and you have a bunch of seniors and then you do really have to clean the slate but how many rebuilding years are we going to have you know, and it, not just on Woodson, but it, the previous regime as well. And then under Tom Crean as well, it seemed like every two years we were wiping the slate clean and getting a whole bunch of new guys and having an eight person recruiting class with guys who probably didn't deserve or probably didn't, you know, weren't at the level of having an Indiana scholarship. Like you can't constantly do this. You know, you need some consistency. And I think that they've had smaller recruiting classes under Woodson and they've done a lot of transfers. And what's going to happen is you're going to be resetting all the time. And Hey, next year you could lose in and Ware and X and Galloway. Like, so you're doing it again, you know? And it's, it's sort of, you have to get to a point as a program where you're not constantly using the excuse. Well, they just don't have enough this year. Like last year, even at times it was like, well, I mean, look, X got hurt and they have a true freshman point guard. They're going to struggle. And it's, Okay. That's what
0: you say if you're a Penn State basketball fan. Exactly. That's not what you're supposed to say if you're an Indiana.
3: If you're fan. if you're an elite it's team, you to. have the you have the depth that when guys leave, other guys step up and then you supplement that with the transfer portal or new recruits or whatever. And you have a consistent thing where you have a floor on your program if you're a top team again that's like top five in the Big Ten every year or top six, you know, if it's a bad year or whatever. And then occasionally, yeah, you have a rebuilding year. Everybody forgives you because you've had so much success that, all right, we're not happy, but you know, this is what, this is the natural process. You can't be doing this and hitting the reset button every year and being like, well, I mean, the fact that we're like, we don't know what this team is going to be until January in year three is rough. You know, it really is. I know you lost two guys to the NBA and you lost, you know, your top shooter and you lost race Thompson. who was a rock in the program for a long time. Like I get it. But you have to be at a point as Indiana where you build a program that can withstand those kinds of things. Maybe not one for one. Maybe you don't improve year to year, but you need to at least establish a level you're at. When we talk about a Yukon or a Kansas or an Arizona, and I realize Indiana is very far from those places right now, but that's where it talks about that's itself. That's the measuring at. stick. That that's we want, the right? measuring stick. <laughs> and yeah. that's what you know. the people in power at Indiana talk about. like That's what we are. That's what we should be. We got to actually go be that at some point. You can't just talk about it for a decade and never make the approaches to do that, whether that fan support Atlanta. is on that level Thanks i hundred man I'm so proud of all the fans who went to Atlanta. I really am I'm proud of all the fans who were sitting here after a blowout and watching this. I mean, I really don't understand why. I mean, I think we're fascinating, but at the same time, it's, you know, like, but there are, there are a ton of people watching this right now and, and commenting and all of that. Yeah. The fan base deserves more. It just deserves more than an uneven program. And again, you're right, Jared, we are, you know, we were high after the mission game down. If you want to hear the more measured take on this, listen to the Thursday night show. That's where we talk about the bigger picture, but we're talking about game to game and and people I, I i i've gotten messages from people already after this one that are just like it's just one game you know they were there they were at, you know playing a team they didn't match up like of course that's what we're talking about yes. you know it, and it the was one a terrible game. one game yeah <laughs> so. and 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 then from that you take the patterns of the season and you look at where you are and then on thursday we break down what we really feel about this the, the program and the team as a whole but in a post game we're talking about This was bad, guys. It was bad, bad, bad. And it wasn't just the offense. It was the defense. We focused on the offense because I think the offensive issues led to defensive issues as well. Um, But yeah, this is just, I mean, it it feels like Groundhog Day. We're always making excuses for why they're where they're at. And at some point, they just have to go be what we want them to be and what they're supposed to be. And we just haven't had that in a long, long time. And I think it's easy to get frustrated with that.
0: Yeah this is lingering. This whole show has been one big lingering question. So yes. I, don't, I don't think we need an official lingering question. The last point I'll make on this, you know, I saw someone in the chat say, oh my gosh, is Jared off the Woodson bandwagon? It has nothing to do with that. I mean, Mike Woodson has meant so much to this basketball program. I will always support Mike Woodson. Um, and I've had a lot of We love Mike and, Woodson. And, and, right. And have expressed confidence in Mike Woodson. I think the issue right now is we are in year three. And, and look, I, Mike Woodson has improve this program in a lot of different ways. There's no question, okay? So uh, say all that. I will say I do find my confidence that he will be able to take us now to the next level starting to wane a little bit for this reason that we are now in year three. And to your point, shooting is still treated as such an afterthought. Um, Not that they're not trying. I mean, clearly they're trying to recruit shooters. Like they're not idiots. They understand the importance, but it's just what we see on the court is a a program that consistently gets its butt kicked from the three point line. And so it doesn't really matter what they want to do or what they're trying to do. We're just talking about the results. And that's just so much, such an important part of basketball that until that gets better, I think it's hard to have a lot of faith in this program going to the next level. So that's where I'm at with it. It's not that I'm off the bandwagon or don't think things are still generally trending in the right direction. But if you want to say, okay, or do we have signs right now that this program can truly take that leap to where we want to go? Well, this was a big measuring stick game for that. And we got the answer and it wasn't one that any of us like, and you know, we could blow smoke and try and pretend that it didn't happen. So I think we have a team right now that is built to compete in the big 10. And I think we'll be very competitive in the big 10. And I think we'll win enough games in the big 10 to make the NCAA tournament. But nights like tonight, nights like UConn, really show that I don't know how far they can go in the tournament if they get there because they just have such a limited amount of ways that they can win basketball games and yeah. good programs like, have multiple ways they can win basketball games.
3: It's like the Miami game last year. They were just outmanned. I mean, they were, they were just outmanned and Miami got hot. And, and this year, uh, you know, this actually, the one that this reminded me of was St. Mary's. It, it, it reminded me of that St. Mary's game where Indiana stepped on the floor Hung for a couple minutes, and actually, this they had more success this time because they weren't exhausted from a long flight, but they they hung for a couple minutes, and then it just became this cascade where they're just not good enough. They're not better than this team. They're not better than these players. They're not better than this group as a team, and you just felt it all all game, and I agree with you. I think this team could be competitive in the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten is down big time, Um, and I think that Indiana has a chance to do some things in the Big Ten, but... You're grading that on a curve because Big Ten looks pretty bad right now. And those teams, some of those teams that are struggling right now may be good by the end of the season, just like Indiana might. But yeah, man, I I just, I have a hard time seeing this team do anything exceptional. And you've got two NBA players on the team, at least. and, And you should be able to do more than you're doing.
0: Yeah. Well said. All right. Coming up uh, Thursday night, we'll be back with Assembly Call Radio. I will not be there. I will be at my wife's holiday party. So, Ryan, you want to host that one alone? Is that going to be the show no. that you
3: host by yourself? No? No. What's I've it? said when we do a live show, I'll, I'll host. Just, I, I'm putting it out there. Throw that
0: out. So anyway, we will have, we will have some, some folks here for you Thursday night to kind of put this into... Into a little bit more perspective and look ahead to Kansas. I think that's a huge game. Look, I thought all along Indiana would be more likely to beat Kansas than they would to beat Auburn because of Assembly Hall magic and all of that stuff. Uh, And you're just going to see naturally more fight from this group when they're in Assembly Hall. Uh, And the Kansas team is good but flawed. So, uh, you know, as bad as it feels right now, Indiana still has a chance to pick up a huge non-conference win. So they've got to turn this around, get better between now and next Saturday and another really important win – is there for the taking, uh, but they certainly have to play better uh, than they did today. So check us out on Thursday, and then Saturday we'll be back after the Kansas game with the post-game show. Uh, Remember to check out our friends at Home Field Apparel. Use the promo code HOME23 at checkout to get 15% off your first order. All right, Ryan,
3: last call. Um, Final thoughts on this loss. I feel like we're back where we've been a couple times in the last few years on neutral courts. Like, Indiana just got blown out by a team that is, you know, fine, but you know, this isn't a a top five team and, and Indiana made them look like it today. And I just think that this program, if it's going to get where it wants to go and where Mike Woodson says it's going to go and where the athletic department says it's going to go and all that, they just need to find a way to find balance in the offense and the defense will get there. It'll get better as these guys play together more. And, And we saw a big step back today, but you know, uh, A lot of that had to do with Auburn's athleticism and quickness just being better than Indiana's one-on-one. But if this program is going to really take a leap and get back into national contention and national prominence, uh, it needs to find a way to change what it's doing and what it wants to do. Because basketball has surpassed what Indiana wants to do offensively. 15 years ago, the game changed, and you cannot just win with points in the paint used to be able to Shaquille O'Neal and the Lakers did that for a long time. A lot of other teams did that for a long time. You could win with points in the paint, just dominate the paint. You win the game, dominate the paint, rebound, make your free throws. You win the game. You can't do that consistently in basketball anymore. You need a balanced offense. You need to take advantage of the extra points you get from the three point line. And you need to be able to add to answer when other teams do take advantage of that. And we've been harping on this for so long, and people get sick of it. But it's the truth. And today was a perfect example of it. Indiana got its ass kicked on the three-point line, and lost by almost thirty. Like it's when that happens, you're going to lose. And so, and it wasn't an
0: anomaly, by the way. Sometimes that happens, and it's a bit of an anomaly. This was not. This was somewhat predictable.
3: That's and it happens all the time to Indiana. And so, you are. If, if that happens to you, you are walking a high wire act to win a game. Whereas if you had a little balance, you'd have a much easier time doing that. So that's just, I mean, this program needs to take that step. It's not so much this team even. It's the program as a whole because we've seen this for three years. You know, heading into next year, this is still going to be a question mark heading into next year. It really is. And the year after that, until they show they can do it. So Mike Woodson is a, he's a smart guy. He knows a lot about basketball. This is his blind spot. This is his blind spot is the shooting. And when he gets asked about it, his answers are not encouraging. They are, well, you know, they just got to make them. Well, okay, Mike, they're not. What are you going to do about that? Like, you know, or my job's not to get this guy shots. You know, it's to get Trace Jackson Davis touches last year. It was, it was for, for Miller cop. It's like, well, maybe if you got him some shots, Trace would be more open. You know, I mean, it's, it's little things like that. You've got to be able to question what you're doing. And be able to turn it around, and so that is the big question mark with this program, is emphasizing shooting, getting shooter shots, and and developing those shooters when they get on campus.
0: Yeah, the last thing I'll say, you know, a lot of good points have been brought up. You know, this Auburn program is more established under Bruce Pearl. They have better athletes, they have more experience, they're bigger and stronger. <clears throat> Agree with all that stuff. There's a reason why Auburn was favored by seven eight points. You know, I did a radio interview on Friday. And the host asked me who I thought would win. I said, well, it's it's like it's likely that Auburn wins this game. There's a lot of reasons to think Auburn is going to win this game. You know, and so there would have been no shame for Indiana to come out, play well, lose by six or seven points. But, you know, hey, we competed. Okay. You know, and so all those reasons that we talked about, that's why there might have been a six to ten point loss in here. It did not need to be 28. It's the 28. It's not necessarily the result, it's the how that really concerns me walking out of this game. For a lot of the reasons that you articulated, Ryan, and just, you know, when you see guys that don't necessarily seem up for the fight, a lot of times it's because they don't believe they can win the fight. And we have to believe that we're going to be able to win these games first, uh, and then we'll actually have a chance to do it. And, you know, I just think, you know, the players aren't dumb. They know this stuff more than we do. You know, and they probably know that there are certain games and certain styles and certain game flows that they're just going to really struggle to compete in. That's what I saw on the court, you know. And so until that gets better, Indiana's going to continue to struggle against teams like this. But unfortunately, there are a lot of teams out there like this. And for Indiana to go where it wants to go, to finally get out of this wilderness that we've been wandering around in. We have to be able to compete with teams like this. We couldn't today, uh, and it's very, very frustrating. I still think this team can do a lot of good things, um, still have a lot of excitement and enthusiasm for the season, but you know, this loss is going to linger for a little bit, Um, hopefully not too long, because huge opportunity Saturday. Hopefully, this team's ready to bounce back uh, and play better uh, against Kansas and get the win that they so desperately need with the Big Ten. (sighs) Boy, just continuing to struggle. And there are not going to be many opportunities for resume wins in the Big Ten. So you better get one now. Indiana didn't today. Have to go out and find a way to get one on Saturday. All right, that'll do it. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't that'll redirect you to the Back Home Network YouTube channel, which we've put everything under, by the way. Uh, and don't forget to go to our substack, assemblycall.com, to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music you hear on the show. Special thank you to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logo. Thank you for listening.
3: Take it from me, native Hoosier Mark Titus. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Shoot the ball.
1: Here I come, <laughs> Stan Sony.
3: Uh, $700 million to a guy who just had his second Tommy John surgery in five years.
0: <laughs> You're just bursting with Shohei takes. I love
3: it. I like. Look, I will say this. I love, love, love Shohei Otani, his personality, his uh, obviously watching him play, all of that. And the fact that he's on the Dodgers, that stings. That stings. But like, if the Padres had all the money in the world, I would not have given him seventy million dollars a year. I mean, it's going to wind up being like fifty-five because he's deferring a bunch of it. But still, like, I, there were people who said after his Tommy John surgery, like, well, he'll get like, what'll he get? And people were like, four hundred million. He'll get he'll get forty a year, you know, because of his bat. Because essentially, you're going to get DH, and we don't know if he's ever going to pitch again or or what. And like, almost doubling that is insane. If the what Dodgers I just like printing money though, don't they have some ridiculous TV deal? So they do. And the marketing will pay for itself, but on a, on the, on the balance sheet for major league baseball doesn't consider any of that. So like, you'll be so far into luxury tax. And then if you're a repeat offender, it just keeps compiling. And eventually you can't do it anymore. Like the Lakers, mm-hmm. a perfect example is the Lakers make a ton of money, like as much as any, but they're like the Yankees of the NBA. They just make so much money, but, if you continue to violate the luxury tax, you have to pay so much money on top of that. Plus in MLB, they have like draft considerations. If you keep breaking it, you your draft pick drops, your sec you lose picks, you know, when free agents leave and all that. I mean, it's 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 crazy. Um, yes, they'll be they're able to afford it. It's not that. It's just that the the competitive fact is gonna be really interesting. And and look, Freddie Freeman's off their books in three years, so that helps. Uh, but Mookie and Otani are going to be getting very old, very fast as well. Otani being only a DH helps him last longer. Um, But I mean, there's a really good chance you're paying 700 million to a DH only guy. Uh And also Juan Soto's contract just went through the roof. He's going to get 600 million next year because he's four God, years younger. Just
0: insane. Good Lord. Otani's. Not just all of them. Six hundred million dollars. Oh, oh, those. You know,
3: no, uh, Soto is four years younger than Otani, so he's going to get. He'll get. He'll get six hundred million next offseason. Um, and he's not going to resign with the Yankees. He's going to go to free agency and create a bidding war like Otani did. Um, so, oh, man, it's going to be insane. And I think what's one thing that a lot of major league teams are going to be happy about right now is the big contracts they handed out over the last few years are going to start to look very cheap by comparison. You know, guys who got 30 million last off season or whatever by this time next year, those will look like steals. Like I think if Fernando Tatis got three forty over 14 from the Padres. That looks like an absolute steal at this point uh, because it's not $40 million. So I, and I think what's going to have to happen is major league baseball. The next time they come around, they're going to have to raise the competitive balance tax to be much higher to like it's right now it's like 237 if you're over that you're in the luxury tax that's gonna have to go up because so many teams are gonna start spending on this level so we'll see man i have 70 million dollars a year i mean those are those are leonel messi you know killing and numbers uh so yikes that's a lot of money
0: go white socks <laughs>
3: Somebody said Reinsdorf was in Nashville meeting with city officials like they were going to move to Nashville. And I was like, I think he's probably there talking expansion. I don't think they're going to move out of Chicago.
0: Jim (laughs) Margulis of Sox Machine kind of debunked that.
3: Yeah, I I think it's for potential expansion. He's probably a representative for that, I would assume.
0: All right. Well, fun chat. Yeah. All right. Let's cheer for Michael Penix. Heisman Trophy is tonight, right? He won the Maxwell. Unfortunately, yeah. Anthony Thompson won the Maxwell and won all yeah, the other it's ones, not and got time. robbed in the freaking Heisman. Hopefully, that didn't honestly, if
3: again. I if I had to pick somebody based on their season solely, like forget wins and losses, but just based on their season, I would pick Jaden Daniels from LSU. But I don't think he's going to win it because they lost three games. Um, so I would assume my Penix would be my favorite. I don't know who's going to win. I have no idea, but I know they consider wins and losses, or voters typically do. So it'd be great be if he part won. Of it.
0: You know, I mean, he made he made yeah. huge throws in key spots, you know, and that's true. That's got to matter. It's there's a true. He, I mean, he
3: also had a he also had, you know, that's the thing is that Kalen DeBoer did a great job. And I'm glad he won coach of the year. I'm I'm really happy for him. He's, He's awesome. a great coach. But also when he arrived, he inherited a pretty damn good football team um, from yes. Jimmy Lake. And and he, he had a lot of veterans. Those receivers were all already there. The lines yeah. were all already there. And then he brought in Penix. And so it was plug and play. So he had a, you know, underrated because it's Washington. It doesn't get much attention. They had a great team around him. Whereas I do think LSU was kind of in a transition from the Kelly, from the Orgeron guys to the Kelly guys. And so it's, you know, I I do think that you put Jaden Daniels on Washington. I think they're undefeated as well. That's not a knock on Penix. That's just, I think Jaden Daniels is really damn good too. So we'll see. I um I I would assume Penix is going to win it. Um, but if you're basing it solely on this the season they had, I'd say Jay I'll be Daniels honest. I playing.
0: haven't watched enough other teams play. I just it I just want Un- Penix to win understandable. No, team.
3: totally. And I love I love Michael Penix, and I hope he wins it. And I was really happy for Kalen DeBoer to win it too. And I'm glad he didn't go to Texas A&M. Quite frankly, um, I think it's cool that he's at Washington. Damn. I would
0: have loved it if DeBoer went to Texas. I, I know.
3: I got my I wife all think...
0: hyped up for about 24 hours about the possibility. Look, of I don't, I don't I think Elko's
3: <laughs> going to be there that long. So <laughs> he might go know. eventually. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, but yeah, no, I hope, I hope Michael wins it as well. All right.
0: <clears throat> have a good rest of your weekend, man. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Women are up by 10, apparently. So they took care of business. That's great. Uh, check out Doing the Work. They'll be on soon. So let's get out of here so they can start. Later, See guys. everybody.